Hello, one Sky Audio Red, Nottingham Forest are underway in the Premier League with a 2-1 defeat to Arsenal. We discussed the good and the bad in the game, plus a bit of transfer news in the company of, first of all, Reds legend Gary Bertels. Morning, Gary, you well? Yeah, good morning. Very well, thank you. Yourself? Yes, good to have you with us. I'm feeling fine, 100%, nothing wrong with me at all. Uh, second guest is Reds fan Michael Temple. Temps, how are you doing? Feeling good, mate. Looking forward to Friday. Yes, we'll talk a bit about Friday as well. Obviously, first home game in CDH Sheffield United. And our third guest today is a man who's very angry at match of the day in Greg Mitchell. Greg, how are you doing? Good, yeah. Feeling great. You're looking a bit uh, looking a bit under the weather. Are you all right? <laughs> no, just just because. Think, you know, he was crying it in about two minutes ago that he was going to be all sorts. All I said was, before we started recording, that I spent some of the week, well, I spent most of the weekend in London. And I feel like I've got that a cold coming because I was surrounded by people. I normally sit at home all day on my own. So I got no sympathy at all. So now I'm feeling very well, thank you. 100%. Greg, kick us off. What's your beef with match today, Greg, before we get into the game? It's just the refusal to even acknowledge us, to acknowledge how much better we played in the second half. Barely showed the goal. I know they've got a lot to get through, but they'll spend 15 minutes talking about Max Lowe pushing uh, Hodgson and not even discussing... One, how great our goal was, and just the way they didn't even discuss the penalty, they just laughed it off like oh, a bit of a joke. And yeah, I just think they need to shake it up a bit, it gets a bit tedious on there nowadays. Uh, we'll get on to the penalty, uh, in due course, or the penalty appeal with Declan Rice. But what did you make of it overall, Greg? Good first off, you know, it nearly worked first off. I, I'm in a uh an NFL group with a, a wide range of football fans. And my Spurs mate messaged me at half time saying, uh, I think there was a swear word in it. So I won't say that, but he says, I've just had a look at your, uh, your timeline. And I thought for it, I thought Spurs was bad. And uh, the negativity at half time, I just thought they scored one wonder goal and one that you could argue was quite lucky. Uh, but other than that, the game plan almost worked in that first half. We had a golden chance where we almost scored and it, it could have been so different. And then the difference between the attitude of the, a lot of the fans in the first half to the final whistle was massive. And I think just that little bit of hope compared to where, oh, sorry, compared to where we were last season. Are- at the, yeah, I think I just broke a photo. Don't tell Laura. But <laughs> <laughs> compared to where we were last season, you know, 5-0, half-time, thinking, God, there's not a chance to what happened on Saturday, yeah, we still got the same amount of points, but you know, bring on Friday for me because if we start showing more spells like we did on Saturday, we're going to be a real force to some teams. Uh, talking of the 5 0 last season, I've got some stats here. This was sent to us by Mark Southerns, who Greg knows uh, as our resident FPL expert, and he's a big Forest fan. Uh, last season, the 5 0, we allowed Arsenal 22 shots, 17 in the box with five big chances and an XG of 2.3. I know some of you boys love XG. Uh, Saturday, we kept them down to 15 shots, eight in the box, and not a single big chance. Uh, Arsenal only had an XG of 0.83. Uh, only Palace and Man City have so far presented uh, prevented a big chance on goal. Not so bad with no Felipe or near Kate in the team. What do you make of that? Actually, I'll go. I'll come to Temps first, and I'll go to Gary because Gary's got. I know Gary's got particular thoughts on where we went wrong. What do you make of it in general, Temps, and what and what Marks is there around the stats? Well, look, they they beat us on the pitch, and they they beat us statistically as well. But having had a year of seeing how uh, a newly promoted club has to cope in the Premier League, we we know we're going to cede possession, and we know we're going to cede chances. 
what Forest hope to do is to take their chance when it comes. And Brennan fluffed his lines with that one-on-one. He hasn't done that in the past. There's been plenty of examples where this game plan has worked because we've taken that chance against the head and then defended for our lives. So that that was a pivotal moment. But for me, the big positive is the preseason doom has evaporated. We've seen that when we get our, you know, what is currently our best eleven or, or not far away from it. Um, out there, it's a very different proposition from tuning up against some European side who play a, a different style in training camp conditions. So I hope that's evaporated. We can look forward to Friday with some confidence. But but yeah, statistically, that's going to happen again and again and again. We had 20% possession. We have a plan for that on the road. And I think we're better at that now. The supporters have bought in to an extent and seen that that is how you have to do it when you when you go and, and play big six clubs away from home. So not surprised by the stats, not entirely surprised by the result, but there were green shoots in there for me that show we're going to be more competitive on the road this season than last. So Gary, I, I know I spoke to you this morning and you were, you were upbeat as well, but the frustration for you was around the manner of the goals conceded before we break them down specifically. Is that right? Yeah, well, how many times last season did we say avoidable goals? And those were both avoidable goals. Yet again, Steve alluded to it in his interview afterwards. He was annoyed with how we conceded. And he's right as well. The first one, yeah, Martinelli was a nice little bit of skill, but he didn't mean to do what he did to get it to the guy who scored the goal. You know, um, and then the deflection beat Turner. If that deflection had come, I think he'd have saved it. And the second one, it was, you know, the... (laughs) Nobody mentioned the fact that more, you know, Morgan gave the ball away in an area that he shouldn't have given it away. He should have just cleared his lines and that wouldn't have happened. Yes, it was a fantastic goal, but we created that opportunity for him to score a fantastic goal. It wasn't brilliance in the first stage. It was in the, you know, the clinical finishing of it, but we provided him with that opportunity. And you can't do that against players like that at this level. And, you know, I spoke to you before. I, I think the one thing that, not di- di- disappointed me. I-, I was delighted with the way it went because I-, I thought the discipline there was a lot better throughout the team. It's just the first game of the season and how we beat Arsenal last season and how sorry for themselves they felt. I just thought there was an opportunity with it being the first game to maybe take it to them and say, right, OK, we're not going to sit back. You know, well, let- let's just have a go for you know a while and see how they react. And if they did react in a good way, then, you know, go back to, you know, plan A or whatever. I just thought Arsenal might just be there for the taking. But, you know, in the second half, I just thought Steve changed it well. Uh, maybe you, you could have said it would have been nice to see the two lads come on earlier, Belanga and Awanyi. Um, But when they did come on, I mean, that, that goal was absolutely terrific. If this talking about Saka's goal, yeah, it was great. But the, I, I was just so impressed with the desire of Awanyi when he came out. And I just watched him. He sprinted the length of that field. It was just unreal. People said, well, he wasn't fully fit. I'd love to be as fully fit as that, I'll tell you. Uh, You know, the ground he made up was just absolutely stunning. And that desire and, you know, the final ball from Alanga was just, you know, perfect for a striker. Hit the near post. That's what you get. Uh, it It was terrific. A lot to unpack there, as Gary says, and all all, all true. One of the things, Temps, who Gary said a lot of people said about, you know, be a bit braver, be a bit more attacking. And I think the manager in his post-match interviews, I think he expected more from the team in the first half in terms of winning duels and being better on the ball. I suppose is that, I don't know if frustration is the right word, but 
in some of these away games, we're going to have to have 10% more possession, aren't we, for at least? Yeah, Steve Cooper is very open about that. I think that was his key message afterwards, wasn't it? He spoke about showing clips of the players at half-time where they perhaps hadn't been physical enough or had showed too much space and time to players like uh, Martinelli and Saka, who are Premier League ballers, who can cut inside and and do what they do. So I think that was a coded message to the, the full-backs to be more aggressive with those boys to take a risk, you know, back themselves with with pace if they get too tight, not to stand off and to make it uncomfortable for them. I think it's well trodden now how Arsenal like to um, structure their attacks to allow um, Saka to come in off the wing. And he provided a, a bit of a case study as to, to why and, and how he is so dangerous doing that. So, yeah, I thought um, Steve Cooper's comments there were very um, measured. I think it's always refreshing when any Premier League manager looks inwardly. He did have a whinge about Declan's hand, but he, he spoke very honestly about what he wants his players to do more of. He wants them to be harder, give less respect to established players, you know, clobber them early if they if, if they have to. There was an example of that, a positive example of that on uh, on, on Saturday. So, yeah, I, I understood Cooper's comments. They resonated with me. I think they'll land with the players that they were aimed at. He just, we're here now. We're not the upstarts. We want to start to climb the table. And to do that, we've got to mix it with um, teams that we have respect for. I think, Temps, you know, you go back to the Arsenal game last season and the, the winning goal was caused by a brilliant press and dispossessing Arsenal, wasn't it? That's where it came from. And I think that maybe Steve, you know, remembered things like that because you do remember. He remembers everything. And I, maybe we didn't do that as well as we could have done collectively. You know, you can do it individually, but against a team like us, it has to be collectively. And, um, you know, that that came across in his comments after the game. But his first game of the season, you know, we lost 2-1, for goodness sake, to Arsenal, who were, you know, were top of the league for a big extent, you know, of last season. And, you know, to start off like that, you know, we've got difficult games coming up, but they're early in the season. We've got, you know, we've got Man City, we've got Chelsea. You know, I watched Chelsea yesterday and was quite impressed with, how they responded to Liverpool going in front uh, and probably being the better side. So, you know, it's not going to be easy, these these opening games. So the Sheffield United game becomes, you know, a, a, a must-win game. I think it is, even though it's the second game of the season. But there were very good signs there um, against Arsenal. Yes, I agree totally. We, we expect not to have as much possession. And um, then it's all about not switching off. And we didn't really switch off. It was just sloppiness that caused the goals, you know, giving the ball away when you shouldn't in a bad area. You know, we saw that so many times last season, some of the goals we conceded. Cut that out and get everybody fit. We've got a hell of a squad, I think. Um, there's 500 people watching, so do us a favour and give us a like. It would be a big uh, uh, a big thing for us and very much appreciated. Um, Greg, what did you make of Turner coming in for his debut? I thought he did pretty well, to be fair. What did yeah, you make of it? neither goal was his fault. He, I was on the third row, so I was really close to him. Uh, he looked lively. Obviously, it was, a, it was not only a big game for him doing his debut, but playing at a ground, he was... Playing for a couple of weeks ago, so uh, I thought he did excellent. Made some good stops. I liked how he's always quickly trying to throw the ball out. Um, didn't always work because it seemed like we weren't ready to receive it. But he wanted to get the ball going quick, which is always good in the way these modern keepers work. So I still hope we get a Henderson or another keeper because we need one. But I absolutely think Turner's a number one 
for the foreseeable and he'll he'll really try to keep that place and from Saturday's performance there's no reason why they'd, why he'd lose it at the minute yeah I'll be really reticent to say we don't need Dean Henderson uh now and we don't need a second goal it's just one game but it was yeah. encouraging I mean would you be comfortable with him Gary you know for holding the shirts based on what you saw Based on what I saw, yes, without a doubt. And Arsenal don't take, uh, you know, second-rate, you know, players. You know, they're a top team. So, you know, the pedigree is going to be good coming from there. Um, yeah, it's... It, it, the, the encouragement we got, I mean, it, but the one thing that worries me, we're talking about signing players, is the striker. You saw how important the one you was when he came on, you know, and how important he was when he was fully fit last season. If he gets injured again, you know, I think it could be a little bit of a struggle again, you know, because then you're relying on Brennan again, who's not an out-and-out striker. You've got Chris Wood, who was signed, uh, but he got injured last season. And, you know, if, if you're down to bare bones, then it could become a little bit of a struggle. You know, the importance of having somebody to come in and, you know, be on the bench if, you know, one you does get injured, then, yeah, that's that's a bit of a concern for me. What do you make of Brennan as a nine, Tam? So if he scored that one chance and come off the pitch after 70 minutes, we're saying he's had a really good game. But he's missed that one chance. So, what do you make of him through the middle? It's a better plan B than Chris Wood for me. But it's it's odd in that it changes our style completely, doesn't it? He has to um, take those chances if he's going to become an out and out number nine. But I, I think we'll see him off the right, um, as, as Gary said. There, we, we've seen the Im- impact that um, Taiwo has. Uh, and also, I thought he was very positionally aware as well that there were there were a lot of times when he did tuck in, helped his uh, helped Aurier. Uh, is more than willing to to, to fit in and, and shape into that 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 defensive setup, but it is a more attacking shape going forward now. That was a, an out and out four three three for 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 periods in the game. Um, even when Alanga came on, we saw that he can offer a a kind of counter threat to Brennan Johnson if if they were to be paired together with with Tyro through the through the middle. So. Yeah, impressed with uh, a lot of elements of Brennan's performance. I think as well, look at him physically as well. It's very clear if you compare his body shape now to the start of the season last year. He's he's put on five or six kilos. He's grown into his body, and you know that will translate into strength on the ball, into endurance, and, and everything else. He was a bit of a waif uh, eighteen months ago, but he's he's clearly applying himself there and becoming a more complete Premier League footballer. I think one thing I'm talking going back to Tayo again. I think one thing that impressed me that I watched because I obviously always watch strikers. His hold-up play when he came on was absolutely superb for me. In the time he was on the pitch, his strength and the the difficult the difficulty he made for defenders by doing what he did, you know, knocking them off balance, backing into them. Defenders don't like that, and you can see the players will play off him. You know, his teammates will. They know what he can do. No, he's good in the air. They'll gamble. But he'll hold it up and somebody will lay it off. And then you've got Alanga's pace going in behind. You've got Brennan's pace. You've got Morgan's pace and Tricky. I, I just think his, his importance to the team, you know, is so, so heavy from what I've seen last season to what we, we saw when he came on. He's just pivotal to, I think, as doing well this season. Yeah, he could get injured because strikers do, but... I was just, you know, so impressed with his overall performance with the little time he was on the pitch. Oh, yeah. He's essential to us. We're a different team without him. And, Gary, just talk us through 
Brennan's chance. I mean, was that because I actually think Brennan's a, a really good finisher. We saw the Everton v Leicester v Leeds last season. He 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 is a good finisher, but he fluffed his lines there. Is that just a lack but of pre-season? Do you think? I am I am got a problem with with what he did there because Brian Clough always said to me, "Make your mind up early, one on one." What he always said to me: "Make your mind up. Don't change your mind. What you're going to do." I mean, everybody's saying, oh, he should have gone around the keeper, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's all right. But he made his mind up to do what he did. And we saw last season some of the goals that he scored were very similar positions and he finished it brilliantly. You know, he's brave enough to get in those positions and he won't stop being brave getting into those positions. That's what it's all about as a striker. You know, you're going to miss some. But he made his mind up what he wanted to do and it didn't come off for him. You know, next week or Friday night, he might do, you know, something totally different to the score. We've seen him do that. He has all the goals in his locker. And, uh, yeah, so, yes, it was a good chance. Yes, he, you know, he wasn't very close in the end when you saw it from behind. But he made his mind up what he wanted to do early. And I, I haven't got a problem with that. I still think, I must admit, I think I wouldn't be at all surprised if he left and went to Spurs based on the noises that we hear um, that Spurs are interested, especially now Kane's gone. I watched the Spurs game yesterday, if anyone else saw it. I mean, they play a totally different way. They're very intricate. They play in very tight spaces. It's a totally different way to Brennan plays for us. I mean, what would your advice be to him, Gary? I know you've consistently said he, he should stay, but Spurs are a very big club and they've got, a, you know, they play a very good brand of football. What would you say to him today if the chance came to go? Um, I would say stay at Forest at the moment. I, I think. Uh... Another season at least. Uh, yes, I'm still a bit worried for Tottenham. And I think, you know, quite a few people have said the same. You know, I watched uh, yesterday and at the back they look vulnerable. But now Harry Kane's gone. Son didn't have uh, his, you know, his, his usual impact. Um, Richarlison, you know, is he going to be the replacement for him? You know, the, if Brennan does go, the pressure will be immense on him because he's, he's replacing Harry Kane, literally. So, you know, I would at the moment say, you know, just stay where you are at the moment. You can see what Steve's trying to to do and, you know, just gain more, a little bit more experience. You're still a young lad and you've still got a big future ahead of you. You know, just keep learning your trade and, and you know, improve. Yeah, I mean, I think Steve-O said in the comments, Brentford style suits Johnson. It does. Brentford style is much more serious. But why would you... Go, no disrespect to Brentford. I know Greg has disrespect, no respect for Brentford. Disrespect but, but why would you go to Brentford when you can stay at Forest? I don't I don't understand this. The sideways move at best. So, he's, yeah, um, he's not going to Spurs. They're going to get... Is it that Eze from uh, Palace? They, they like Eze, do. yeah. But he's a different yeah. kind of player again. He's more of a... But, Johnson's two years away from being, or one season, one very good season away from being a Spurs starter, and they need a, a starter now, don't they? I just, I think it's all rumours made up by God knows what side, but I just don't see it at all with Johnson. And the other thing is, like the way that Alanga and Taiwo linked up, you know, we've relied on Gibbs White and Johnson to link up. Like suddenly we've got that other way now Johnson's got competition which is healthy <laughs> so I think another season with us is only going to improve and it'd, it'd be crazy to go to Spurs look what happened with Spence and you know we've had others in the past so yeah I just think it'd be a, a silly decision I think it's a lot more paper talk than real talk I mean you you see Brennan staying along with one you uh, you staying fit and Alanga playing 
as we know he can do. And you, that's going to frighten teams to death. Mm. You've got power, strength, pace, you know, awareness, finishing. You know, it, it, it will cause teams real problems. I mean, let's not forget we went to Anfield last season and you're only lost by the odd goal. You know, we beat them at home. You know, we beat Arsenal at home. You know, we did well against Chelsea on both games. It was just the Manchester United, you know, we couldn't do anything against them. We didn't score a goal against them in all the games we played. So you look at the top teams and, you know, we weren't a million miles away at times. We drew with Man City. We, yes, we got battered at their place, but a lot of teams do, even the, in the, the top teams. You know, so I just think with what we've seen in that first game, I, I always, people say, well, Forrest didn't have this, you know, great uh, pre-season. Pre-season for me is all about getting your fitness levels right. And I think the most important it is, is for a striker, you know, to start getting goals early in friendly games. That's what pre-season's about. Not about winning games. It's about preparation for what we saw on Saturday. Pure and simple, nothing else. And that preparation looks as though it's been good. We stayed in that game right the way till the end of it. We didn't look tired. We didn't look out of it at the end. And that is a very, very good sign for me. Yeah, I mean, I think we saw that with Brennan. If he'd had more preseason minutes, I think maybe he's a little bit sharper for that for that chance. Strikers, strikers need to be, you know, believe me. Yeah, mm. everybody does, but the sharpness strikers have, you know, only comes with consistent games and you know time on the pitch. And you know, if you, you're slightly behind, that's going to happen. But you can quickly catch up. You know, you you can do that. You can do bits yourself. And yeah, it was just it, it was very encouraging for me. Um, there's some scepticism in the comments about Brennan to Spurs, but they are definitely interested in. They haven't, as far as I know, they haven't bid for him, but they definitely do like him, as do old Brentford, as we well know. Um, we've mentioned Alanga a couple of times, Temps. His impacts from the bench was obviously tremendous. Um, should he be starting straight away? But if so, would he have to come in for some uh, for a Brennan? Or would we go four two three one? What What did you make of him? Well, just straight line speed. I mean. Nobody on planet Earth likes defending against someone that's quicker than them. And it was just so refreshing for him to pin his ears back and just run as far as he did. Almost as impressive as, as Taiwo's um, interception, ability to keep pace with him and, and get across Ben White for the, for the finish. So, yeah, Langer's a weapon. We need to deploy him, particularly when we're up against weaker opposition at home. So it is a question of how you fit him in the side. And I think you alluded to it there, Matt, but we, we need, for me, to play a, a flat back four to allow us to, to get these um, flair players into the side at home. Because we're trying to um, make a case here for uh, Elanga to play on the left with Brennan on the right, Tyro through the middle if he's fit. Of course, we can all see that's what Cooper wants to do. But then you've got decisions to make in the centre of the park where Gibbs-White is going to play as the most advanced um, central midfielder. So it's probably Mangala that would drop out to allow Danilo and Yates to screen the back four and and marshalled the midfield. So then I suppose we're, we're yet to learn uh, what we think of Olerena in a, in a back four. I know he likes to get forward. He's attacking, fancies himself as a bit of a, a, a dribbler as well. So that there could be a very attacking look to, um, to, to the Forest side on, on Friday night. I think the fans would be most excited if we could get that combo going, that Alango, Taiwo, Brennan Johnson. I just wonder if it's going to be seen as, as too disruptive to, to blood Taiwo and Alanga um, at the same time to make two changes. For me, it's McKenna and Mangala that would drop out to accommodate that. But to your earlier point, Matt, we'd have to see a, a flat back four 
um, deployed if we're going to go with those combinations further up the pitch. Nice problem to have. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk more about it in the preview. Yeah. I would about Alanga. Yeah, just one thing quickly. We talk about his pace, and that was evident. But what he did at the end of that, you know, run, that 50, 60-yard run, was play a fabulous ball across the face of the goal. I watched two games yesterday, and I was taken aback by the lack of the quality that was coming in from those sort of areas, you know, from quality players. Sometimes he would just put in there, you know, for no particular reason. It was just, you know, half-hearted sort of thing. Once you've done that, you know, with that pace to deliver the quality of ball he did, that's a striker's dream. And, you know, if you've got that in your locker, and, and we've got, you know, strengths coming off the bench now as well when everybody's going to be fit. It's looking a very, very, very strong squad. That's a good point as well, Gary. So the impact of a player running at a broken field against tired opposition when a game's wide open suits Alanga. So whilst I'm making the case for starting him, you can imagine the impact he's going to have with 30 minutes from the bench. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll do more on Sheffield United on Thursday. I wouldn't always advocate for 4-2-3-1 with this squad because I don't think our midfield's good enough. But I would in this instance because I just thought... I mean, Sheffield United were really poor against Palace and they look to be, they don't look to have the team in place. So, yeah, I'd like to see that. Just going back to Tywo's goal, Gary, um, Chris Wood wouldn't score that goal because he doesn't have the athleticism. No disrespect to him. And Brennan wouldn't score that goal because he probably doesn't have the striker's instincts. But Tywo does, doesn't he? I mean, the run he makes to the near post is perfectly timed. So a lot of strikers would be tempted to pull off to the back post there, wouldn't they? But did Tywo do the right thing? Absolutely. I think it's a dying art hitting the near post. And what you what you know as a striker, when you see your, your teammate under pressure, he's run that distance, you know he's going to be shattered and you know that it's probably going to come near post. So that is your instinct to go to that near post. The number of times you see strikers who don't and the ball comes in there and you think, well, if only he'd gone there, he gets himself a goal. And Taiwo does that. You know, he, he hits that near post. He has that instinct and, you know, while you've got that in your team and the wide men know that he's going to do that. I mean, we saw that against uh, when Brennan made the goal against uh, Southampton away last season. You know, again, the one you did, had made all that ground up and Brennan put it perfectly, you know, and he, he's, he's done the right thing as a striker. That instinct gets you in there. Uh, I just love to see him play. I, I watched him from our box to their box and I was just so impressed with his desire to want to get on the end of that because, you know, people were saying he's not 100% fit, but my word, he made that ground up unbelievably. To stay up with Alanga as well with his pace, come on, he's he's he's, he's good. Do you still think we're a striker light in the squad though, Gary? He, yeah. Chris Wood didn't get a look, did he? So he seems a bit out of favour. No, I know he plays, a t he's a totally different player to uh, Awanya. We know he is. He's a totally different player to Brennan. You know, he doesn't have that searing pace. Um, you know, he'll, he'll hold it up. He's one of those target strikers. But I don't think, you know, he's going to be a first-choice striker. So, I think, you know, looking at going forward, we, we saw how detrimental it was to us last season when we lost the two centre-halves in the same game. If you're losing quality in certain areas, then you will struggle a bit. The only good thing about, you know, we've got that depth if Brennan does stay then we know that we can win games with him, with Morgan, you know, and, and you know, by having the players, even um, Danilo, who I think, you know, looked a little bit off the pace on Saturday. 
Um, but yeah, I, I just think the bench is looking very strong. We've got Felipe to come back. We've got quality players who are not 100% fit. And when they are, then, you know, we, we, we're looking good. Um, a few players did underperform and we'll touch on a couple maybe. But um, we've mentioned Oleina, Greg. I thought, you know, he did really well. Seeing Cooper said he wasn't 100% fair, well, he did really well as a left wing back, didn't he? Yeah, and he was up against Saka for the majority of the game. So, you know, talk about a tough start to, to your new team. Uh, I thought he did excellent. You know, the goal Saka scored certainly wasn't his fault. And, uh, yeah, he, he played very well. I remember at the start, there was a couple of wayward passes and I thought, oh, dear, but... Maybe that was just nerves of where, what was happening, but he uh, he certainly came on during the game and full of confidence towards him. Like all all the well, the both new starters had excellent games. Like probably two of our better better players, obviously. So um, if we are only going to recruit two or three this season, or maybe a couple more, as long as they all work, it's going to be more than enough. Um, you'll have seen Aurier up close, then Greg, from where you were. He didn't look hundred percent fit. Uh, no. Can he play as a wing back for you, or does he have to play as a right back? Really, um, I think he'll he'll have to until we get others back. But um, yeah, he's more comfortable, obviously, as a right back. Uh, he was asked to do a job, and yeah, there maybe was a little bit of a fitness issue. I thought he looked a little bit bigger as well than than last season, but um, he certainly didn't disgrace himself. He just wasn't one of the best players on the pitch, let's say. Uh, but you could say the same about Gibbs White. He had a a couple of shaky moments. Obviously, the the goal itself was down to him. But regarding Gibbs White, if you're going to have that kind of skill and that kind of flair player, he's going to want to keep the ball a little bit longer, and he is going to make mistakes like that. And it's kind of weighing up the good and the bad, and the good massively outweighs it for a player like him. I know what Gary's going to say. Don't make him in that area. That's what I knew he was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Used to make him in that area. You know, mm. don't make you look big. You know, if you if you do that, it. it Against somebody like that, the top teams, you're more than likely to get punished. And I remember, was it the Newcastle game last season? I think he got dispossessed in that one and they went straight up and scored. You know, you've got to learn by your mistakes sometimes. And I'm sure he will because, you know, we all for, not forget, I mean, what a what a tournament he had for England. You know, uh, so he's he's had all that to contend with as well. And then... Every player is going to be different going into a first game of the season. Some are going to look absolutely sharp as tacks. Others are going to be off the pace a little bit because that's the nature of your body. Not many, everybody's got the same metabolism. Not everybody, you know, is, is ready, prepared on that first game of the season. You know, it doesn't work like that. You know, we're human beings. You know, we're all different. You know, what suits one doesn't suit another. So it, it's not that, that much of a concern to me. It's just the basic mistakes that we've done and we've done before last season to concede goals that would concern me more than anything, which Steve spoke about afterwards. Mm. You know, and those duels that you have to win sometimes. Um, so, yeah, on the first, first you know, you're going to get average performances. You're going to get good performances. But that first game of the season is so important for everything. Men, you know, your mental strength going forward and that away performance will give the players big heart, I would think, without a doubt. Um, Gary makes a good point there, attempts as well about, you know, hitting the ground running. I mean, obviously our midfield struggles, but when you're up against Rice and Odegaard, um, party as much as they told us for 10 minutes, kept coming inside as well. It was a difficult day for Yates, Danilo and Mangala, wasn't it? 
Yeah, of course there's, but it's the it's the blend we found after trying seven or eight different combinations last year, and I and I like it. Mangala great in tight spaces. Danilo has that um, bit of bit of flair about him, doesn't he? But does the, the dirty work as well. And Yates is just all energy, headers and tackles, and and the bite that you need in in centre mid. So, look, I, I um, agree wholeheartedly with the team selection from the Arsenal game, but I know we're going to see some changes on Friday. Um, just want to talk about some transfer stuff um, for about ten minutes or so. Um, well, Steve Cook's gone, and we should give a word to Steve Cook, um, Greg, a, a, a hero of promotion. I know he didn't really cut it, particularly in the Premier League. Um, but he's going to be fondly remembered, isn't he, for someone who played so few games relatively for us. Yeah, that penalty uh, in the semi-final, that'll always go down, the celebration. Uh, the way he hung about when he wasn't in the 25 as well, I think that was a real measure of the bloke and um, was still supporting us to the very end. Uh, and he'll do really well at QPR. It might be the case that he gets them up again and he's in the same position. I think he's got a two-year contract with them. So delighted he's got another another top team really uh, especially in the championship and uh, it'll be missed it's I mean he was so unlucky to not make that 25 when you look back at what happened in the weeks after with the injuries so uh, yeah it's sad to see him go but there there clearly wasn't a place for him you know we've got five very good centre-backs at the minute and it's one of those areas where I'd say we don't need strengthening as it stands we've got two coming back rather than uh, you know, looking out for injuries. So, yeah, it was sad to see him go, but certainly the right time. Mm. I think they are looking for another one because of Felipe's injury, I think, is a concern. But I think Aurier can be seen as a central defender this season as well. But we need to get Felipe back. But there's a lot of links with so many. If Luke Shaw can play there for Manchester United, you know, that that speaks volumes. And he, he did it particularly well. So... You know, versatility is is still very important at any level, and uh, if you've got that in your squad, then that's that's excellent. It's a different. This is a wider point, Gary. It feels like a different game now. Defending, you see fullbacks coming inside to play as midfielders. Ben Chilwell was Chelsea's best attacker yesterday, ostensibly a left wing back, but really a left forward. And the Brentford v Spurs and Liverpool v Chelsea. I mean, neither team seems particularly asked about defending. It feels like a it's a different, evolving game ever more, isn't it? It is, and it's different for every team. You know, it's it's about your personnel that you've got within your squad that you've got to utilize uh, and play to the you know the benefits of the the team. And I think when you look at our you know defensive positionings, we've you know I think we've got you know a lot of scope there, a lot of range, and we can play different systems. It's not rigid; um, it can be moved around a bit, and it, it's good to see that. I think the flexibility we have in the squad is 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 excellent. And uh, that's that's why I'm so you know confident of of moving forward this season. Um, I just I, I see us improving, um, and I see people being frightened to play us, you know, because of maybe what they saw on Saturday, uh, what they saw at the back end of last season, you know, how we finished the season, and the majority of that squad who were you know was instrumental in just keeping us up are still there. You know, we've lost uh, Lodi obviously and Navas. Um, but you know the majority of uh, the players are still there, so yeah, why not? Why not go with a smile on your face going forward? Um, as Nick says, hit the like button. Thanks, Nick, who's always very good at that. Six hundred and fifty people watching. Um, I want to talk about Scarpa attempts. There's people in the comments. As every time we do this, there's people who are absolutely adamant he should be in the team. 
And I don't mean this disrespectful. I'm not sure what they're basing it on because we haven't seen much of him. Obviously, he's you know done brilliantly in Brazil. He looks like he's going to Olympiacos, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if he did. Can you see why people are so annoyed that he hasn't had a kick? Well, the course for Scarpa to be included, uh, for me, is one of those examples of you being a better player out of the team than you are when you're in it. And you're not seeing how he um, performs consistently, what his levels are like, and how he is relative to to others. So the reason he's not getting into this side is because at the minute, we're still trying to find a way to squeeze in Alanga and Taiwo, who are ahead of him. We're probably also trying to recruit another central midfielder, which could displace one of Mangala Yates or, or, or Danilo potentially. So he just finds himself um, behind other players who are seen as, as as better options. Now, look, where we're at and the, the development phase that we're in, there are going to be games that we lose where people make a, make a call for change. I think those of us on the outside that see a defeat call for change, those on the inside perhaps more likely to persevere with those in, in possession of a, of a shirt. So... Look, we haven't seen loads of him. Um, we saw flashes like, you know, Blackpool in the Cup last season where he was making ranging balls and doing bits and bobs. There have been a couple of um, off-field challenges that have been uh, re- reported elsewhere. Uh, Forest are in a bit of a, tangle's the wrong word, but walking a precarious line with FFP. So an opportunity to get him off the books and send him to the to the sister club for a few quid doesn't seem like a, a bad thing for me. I just can't see him being a consistent Premier League starter. I don't think he's necessarily the change of pace player from the bench. I think we've got better options. So I, I do see the logic in offloading Scarpa, despite the lack of game time he's had during his time at Forest. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw him in the Valencia game when you know went to Valencia to, to watch that game. And there was definitely a spark there. There was definitely something that made you sit up and take notice. You know, his range of passing, his his, his vision, uh, his ability. Um, but who was... I'm trying to think of the, the Forest player before who there's big things expected of. And he went to Olympiacos. Carvalho. Carvalho is a very, very similar trajectory there who arrived yeah. with a YouTube highlights reel that was like, you know, what, what, what he couldn't do wasn't worth knowing about. But then you put him in the environment and you put him alongside other, you know, great players, and it's 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 tough to stand out. Like he'll go on and be successful elsewhere. Like he'll find the level, and his his pedigree in Brazil was exceptional. I can see the every ounce of logic as to why we brought him in. It hasn't worked out, and I don't think there's um, any sense really in keeping someone that struggled with game time for a year and has an opportunity to go and find it elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I would actually, I would keep him personally if we can. But I don't, I've said this before, I don't see where he starts in the team because you're not going to drop Gibbs-White and you're not going to drop Danilo. I think he's really good off the bench and if Gibbs-White gets injured, then I probably would give him a chance. But what we're seeing with the way Forrest are developing is the whole team is about pace and power and athleticism. That's what Danilo is, that's what Elanga is, that's what Johnson is. Gibbs-White is sent, I mean, Taiwo is the best example. And I just don't see Scarpa as someone who fits into this team physically as much as anything. I think he'll go to Olympiacos or somewhere else and he'll do well. And he could come off the bench for 20 minutes in our team and do well. But I think he's too much of a luxury in this team. That's not me saying he's a bad player. I just don't think he fits as a starter. And I don't see how people can be so adamant that he's the answer or he's not the answer. We just, we don't know. But people who are burying Cooper for saying he's not in the team 
I mean, I, I'm not seeing that personally yet. Have you got anything as uh, as definitive as me to say, Greg, or not? I, I just think with Scarpa, he's we're a team that counterattacks and gets you know thirty percent possession, and that might go up a little bit from last season. You know, if it was high twenties last season, it might be thirty thirty five percent this season. But Scarpa wants the ball, doesn't he? And you know, mm. we're going to lose it, and we'll get dispossessed, and we'll get put in trouble. So, yeah, maybe he's not one for us now. And I think he's what twenty nine now. So I think. If he does go, I disagree with some of the comments. I think you you have to sell him and get some some money back in that pot, like Temp says. We're not really sure about FFP at the minute, so it gives himself a bit of a buffer because there's not many players in that squad who would like to get rid of that we can get some some money back for, and he's clearly one of them. Yeah, he's another player. I mean, the Carvalho comparison is accurate in the fact that he's another player we're going to debate endlessly. And I do feel sorry for him. Because it's obvious his big dream was to come to England and make it. And he's not really had that chance. And the cards haven't fallen for him with injury and personal circumstance. But I think he's one, like, as passes in the comments, a puzzle we'll never know the answer to, certainly. Um, uh, Just on the other transfers, Sangare continues to be linked. The big central midfield, or, you know, the missing piece of the jigsaw that I kind of feel like we need. Is that one area for you, Gary? If we can get a defensive midfielder who can keep the ball ticking over better than we are able to at the moment. Is that the biggest missing jigsaw in this team still for you? No, I still think the striker, we've already touched on that, but I, I think the importance of defensive midfield players, uh, you know, the, the world over, you know, seeing how important they can be and how they've transformed teams and how important they are to teams because they give the more gifted players that's not derogatory. The gifted players, you know, the flair players, if you like, they know they can go, they know they can go and do things because they've got that player who's that good to protect what they're doing going forward. So, you know, the importance of those players in in, in world football, you know, are, are right up there at the moment and, and rightly so. I think we. I watched the Liverpool game yesterday and a lot of the comments were defensive midfield. They were, you know, having a little go at McAllister maybe, for not being, you know, the defensive midfield player that, you know, does that protection. So, you know, when you, you listen to comments like that about Liverpool, you know how important a player like that can be. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that was uh, an area we were looking at and you'd encourage that, uh, you know, because it, it didn't, it, um, Freuler didn't really work as that sort of player when he was here. Uh, Mangala does, you know, a, a decent job in that position. Uh, so, yeah, why not? You know, if you've got strength in depth, then that's all you can ask for. You know, obviously, we're not signed as many players as we did before. That was never going to happen. But, you know, we're, we're being more picky maybe this time and, and just, you know, picking the players we want to rather than just going carte blanche and getting a load in. Yeah, and after that Liverpool game, I think Klopp said what a mad market it is. And they're struggling to get, you know, their, their number six. So, I'm not surprised that we are, especially as we're aiming a bit more ambitiously. I mean, are you still thinking we need two or three more, Greg, to have the, the full squad in place? Yeah, but I think the issue is at the minute, we're, we're going for players that top off teams are going for, and these players and agents aren't seeing us as that yet. So we are going to be losing out to the West Ham, Spurs, all that. It's great that we're going for them, but maybe the ambition is a little bit higher than where we are at the minute. And, you know, Sangar has linked to some top, top clubs that are in Europe next season. So, if we did manage to pull off a signing like that, that's as big as anything that, that came in last season. But I, 
I personally don't see us getting him. It's fantastic that we're going for that person, like type of player. And I'm sure if we keep trying, we'll get someone of, of that ilk. But uh, I can't see it myself, <laughs> just with the, the other teams involved. I, I think the comments by Alanga were pretty pretty decent for, for Forrest. Mm. What, he, what he talked about coming to Nottingham Forest as a football club. I thought he was very, you know, complimentary and very positive of why he came to the football club. And I think that can only help when you get players coming from somebody like Manchester United, of that ilk, coming and saying that. And then when they get there, feeling that, you know, they belong at a football club a little bit more than they maybe did at a previous one. That can only help players who come into, you know, our football club, hopefully. And, you know, better players, you know, will maybe come. I, I'm surprised we didn't actually go for Ward Prowse, you know. Uh, I thought uh, that that might be. We, I think we talked about that the uh, back end of last season if Southampton went down, mm. uh, but obviously that's not happened. And yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. But I, I think players will start to come to us. Yeah, there's going to be some, there's going to be some deadline pressure very soon. Just over two weeks to go before teams have to tell you their best price. These long drawn out agent chats. Um, cheap side bids, unrealistic expectations, it all gets smoked out in that final week. I think Sangari is going to move. I think that release clause makes him an attractive target for, for clubs in stronger positions than us, unfortunately. It makes no sense for Leeds to hold, uh, keep hold of, of Tyler Adams. Um, they, they can't justify having a, uh, a player of that value on their books. I fully expect him to, to go to Chelsea before that one broke down. Interestingly as well, West Ham will be back in the market when they get this Paqueta cash from Man City. Brighton have got 115 million quid, burning a hole in their pocket. So there's some big deals still to still to happen. So the Saudis are still um, active. There's a lot of money to come in and out of Premier League sides. And I think we're going to see a frenetic end to the window. The flip side of that is there's going to be deadline pressure on a decision around Brennan Johnson. And given that we, we, we know about the challenges of FFP, they, those two are going to be um, intrinsically linked. You're not going to see a 25, 30 million pound incoming at Forest unless Brennan departs. So I think that is still the most seismic decision that we have to make in this window. But shopping this for me is a central defensive midfielder and a backup striker to Taiwo who can offer more than Chris Wood. Is he worth 115 million, by the way? Just as a passing interest, well, they, they, they sign him for four, so it's a it's a tidy profit. Goodness me, I I, I don't see it. I, I really don't. I mean, Declan Wright, people were commenting on, you know, how much he went for, and I I think he's a better player, maybe. But who am yeah. I? To, who am I to comment? I think he's better. I tell you, who was amazing at the weekend in that role was Basuma. I mean, he was fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, he, he was. Uh, he surprised me. He really did. Yeah, but the lack of something else is a bit concerning for Tottenham. Well, yeah, yeah. Although he, Madison did all right in my fantasy team for me. Um, it's a difficult balance for Forrest as part of making the transfer market because I actually would have liked to see. I thought he should have gone for Gustavo Hamer, who's gone to Sheffield United, who's not a glamorous player, but it's someone who we could have got. But I suppose Greg, there's a difficult balance between being ambitious and pitching yourself up against top-half teams and settling. Because last season, we settled for players who were available who weren't targeted specifically, and we kind of fell foul of it a bit. And we Getting it right it, uh, is pushing it towards the deadline, isn't it? And it's making a few fans a bit tense, I guess. 
Mm. And we're a, we're a club that loves a deadline signing these days as well. So it will be exciting. Those uh, last few days, I'm sure there'll be reporters out the ground ready for something to happen. Uh, but like I said earlier, I just think we're we're punching with our targets at the minute. And so, you know, hopefully one of these comes off. But unless you try, it's not going to happen. I don't think we, we tried for Ward-Prowse because it was obvious he was already going elsewhere. But... Um, yeah, I just think it it will happen. We'll we'll get one of these big signings that we desperately need, uh, and usually these days it's one that none of us are expecting. So um, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. But you know, with the likes of Sheffield United getting that player, then obviously we're not. Uh, we'd like to think we're a little bit higher than than them these days. So uh, yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. It's tough to get think- it right. With players coming in, it doesn't always have to be a big signing. Sometimes you you know the the signings that come in, um, you know the the couple we've had we've seen already uh, that probably some people have not heard of. I, I think look pretty good, and sometimes you you do get those sort of players. That's why it's so important in the in the background to to see these players to to see them on a regular basis and not just see maybe a video of them. Uh, to see what they're all about, to you know, to get the background, to see if they're good with in the dressing room, uh, because I think that's so important as well. And the times you go down to the training ground and watch training, you know, which I've been lucky enough to do, and the players always come and say hello. They're very friendly. You know, the the banter and the camaraderie is always great to watch. Uh, you know, the training sessions are very very in- inspiring. You know, totally different to when I played, and and that lifts you. You know, when you see that and, you know, you've got these players now who get a lot of stick, modern day players, for not doing this and not doing that. But, um, you know, I, what I've seen at Forest, I, I think the character of the players coming in is always a big plus. And, uh, you know, you, you, you saw, you know, people said Lingard about Lingard, but you always saw him on the touchline, you know, jumping up and down and, and being part of it, wanting to be part of it, even though he wasn't playing. So I think, you know, the importance of getting the right characters in there as well as the right ability, is, is is vitally important as well. And I think they're doing that particularly well. Yeah, we need the right players for the right areas, for the right tactics. And that isn't easy. And we didn't necessarily have that last season. It was a panic to make a squad. But we've seen with Turner and Aina and Ilanga coming in, they look like good bits of business. It's, very, it's literally one game, so you don't want to judge them too quickly. But it looks promising. So if they get two more... And they're good signings. Because at the start of the season, we all said we only need four or five signings. And I don't think we can be critical on August the 14th, which I think might have been the date we signed Morgan Gibbs-White last year. But there's still a long way to go. Uh, so let's uh, let's my, judge. Yeah. How long Felipe out for? But I, I don't really know. I've not heard a great, you know, anything about his, you know, his injury or how long he's out for. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I wouldn't expect him. I wouldn't expect him back this weekend. And Steve Cooper's, Injury press conferences, uh, uh, you know, red herrings quite often. I mean, he made it sound like a one year and near Cate were completely out of this game and they were on the bench. So I think we'll we'll just wait and see. But I wouldn't expect Felipe back too soon. Um, I think that covers all the ground pretty much. Any other business, Greg? Anything you want to add? Um, well, yeah, congratulations to Emily on her engagement. Oh, yeah. uh, that's some good news in the week. So uh, congrats to her. And uh, just going back to one more thing on Forest that I wanted to talk about, the injury time. I know it's a subject that's been uh, written about and spoken about a hell of a lot, but um, I'll start with the positive. 
when the 90th minute came up, they kept the clock rolling on the big screen. So I hope that's a new thing now that it happens at every ground. So it is. Yeah, I thought it must be. Um, but if they are doing it by the rule, there was a hell of a lot more than seven minutes injury time in that second half. And I still have this little feeling that if it was Arsenal 2-1 down, it would have been put up with 12, 13 minutes injury time. So until they decide they're going to actually stop the clock and start the clock properly, it's still going to be favoured, much more favourable for the top four or five teams. I mean, if we had, um, if we were 2-1 up and it chucks up 12 minutes injury time, of course it's going to benefit the top, top teams. So I still don't think they've got it right. But the only positive from it was, like I say, the clock keeps going after the 90th minute, so I ain't got to keep looking at my watch. No. Um, well, congratulations to Toa as well, because it was his birthday, and did his wife give birth Yes, uh, on Saturday as well? So massive congratulations there as well. Yes. Congratulations. That was. <laughs> congratulations to Emily on her engagement. Um, I don't know if it was public knowledge or not. I think it was. She put it on her Instagram. Yes, yeah, she put so it everywhere, nothing. yeah. Oh, everywhere. Okay. How much are you following her? <laughs> Instagram and all that. Okay. I before I come to Thames, I've done a terrible job hosting because I missed one important talking point from the game about the Declan Rice handball. We went all the way through it and I skirted around it. Uh, just going around the room quickly, uh, who thought it was a penalty? Anyone? No, that's yeah. my VAR penalty. And I hate the fact that it is. But the, the the blunt fact is they review that and they and they give it. I, I don't like that it is. I don't think he's done anything other than tried to be physical and his eyes are closed. He don't want to get clattered and it's it's clumsy, isn't it? But if that goes to VAR, that is given as a penalty. Yeah, and next week we'll see one exactly the same given as a penalty. That's the annoying part of it. You don't mind if every one now is not a penalty, but that ain't going to happen. There's going to be some different VAR guy in the in the studio who will disagree and say it's a penalty. You know, that's mm. what's the annoying part of it all. Hmm. What um what game was it where a penalty was given? Was it Everton Fulham where it hits Luton his elbow? Brighton. Luton, was it Luton Brighton. Brighton. So that that ball was crossed in. That defender did not have a clue that that ball was going to hit the back of his elbow. Not a clue at all. So if you use that same argument with Declan Rice, where was that ball going to drop if his arm wasn't there? Because yeah, he didn't mean to handball it, but he hit it right in the six yard box where there's a definite goal store, scoring chance. So. You know, for certain pundits to just laugh it off and, you know, be a bit childish about it. VAR has to look at that. If it if a ball hits your hand in the box, VAR has to look at it. And if they're not, the job isn't being done correctly because there's a discussion there at least. What are you closing his eyes for anyway? Yeah. If you head it, if you close your eyes, it's your fault that it hits your bloody hand. Oh, sorry, I swore there. But <laughs> it's your fault. You yeah. know, you keep your eyes open, it don't hit your hand. Close your eyes, it might. I I didn't think it was a penalty. If it was given against Forest, I'd be fuming. I I didn't think. I thought he was tussling naturally. People compared it with the Maguire thing about unnatural arm position. I think that ball was dropping out of the sky, and Maguire had his arm up like this. I if it was, I always try and judge if it was at the other end. And if that was given against us, I just can't see how that was a penalty. Personally, where was his arm? Where was his arm? It was interlocked with bodies, wasn't it? Basically, I just see your arm up again. That was all. (laughs) Yeah, that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Jackson be, one was much more of a penalty. The, there's the got Chelsea to be a one. discussion, though. There has to be a discussion. It has to be looked at. Yeah, I agree with that. But VAR is so inconsistent, isn't it? I mean, Jackson, it hits him clearly on the arm. His arm's in a weird, like, 
funny player, I don't know. It wasn't wide side or anything, and that's not given. But the, the daft thing was afterwards, he said it hit his chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that tells you that he's, he knows it's hit his hand and he, he probably should have been a penalty. Yeah. And I didn't think the Son one, the Brentford one was a penalty either. Uh, I thought... I know, thought he Yeah, I thought he died or made very very much made... Because the thing that they're saying about VAR this year is contact with consequence. So, you know, to try and cut out this feigning stuff to get a penalty. That's a different game though anyway. Um, but yeah... It was. I'm sorry, I forgot to discuss that until the 55th minute of the podcast. Uh, Temps, any other business? Well, I was just going to mention on a light-hearted note to finish that Steve Cooper dresses almost exclusively in Paul Smith now on the sideline. It's good to see as, as Matt Davis's profile gets bigger and bigger and his <laughs> podcast gets bigger and bigger, he too has started now to dress like a Premier League manager. So, hold well on, Matt. Most fashionable member of the podcast today. Gary's got a, a loud T-shirt on, but he's, he's, he's forewent the usual Ted Baker dress shirt. So no, you're best best dress today. To that's that a Ted Baker t-shirt, isn't it, Gary? <laughs> it is, yeah, absolutely. It is a ter- <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to give Steve some right stick when I see him now, because every time he sees me in one of my shirts, he slaughters me. So I'm going to have a pop at him as well. <laughs> well. I will say, I this is a birthday treat that was paid for, and I, if Steve Cooper's paying for all his Paul Smith, then fair play. But I suspect he might not be because he's giving them we a know, lot. We of know you've gone big time, Davis. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, any other thing else from you, Gary, before we go? No, I think we've said enough, don't you? I think we've said plenty. I think we've, yeah. the people will probably say we said far too much. Um, right. I think we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks very much to everyone who's watched along. Do like and subscribe. I'm going to be a bit more of a nag about that this season because I'm not very good at it, but it does certainly help us out and give us a good iTunes review. Uh, Greg, thank you very much. No. I think we've lost Greg, basically. Temps, thank you very much. Cheers, Matt. See you soon. Thank you, Gary. An absolute pleasure. We shall be back on uh, Thursday, I think, with more of a preview on the Sheffield United game where we'll talk tactics, formations, team selection and any transfer news that breaks uh, between now and then. Have a good few days, everyone. And in the meantime, we shall see you soon.